Hey, uh, I don't know what to say after that. Did y'all, can y'all imagine if Noah drank coffee? I mean, he doesn't drink any coffee. It's just it's insane. <laughs> hey, uh, thank you guys for being here today. My name is Clayton, and I'm the senior pastor at Central, and you just got to hear from our, our student pastor and um, all the things that are happening um, coming up with, with our church. And again, I just wanted to remind you, just like Noah said, to grab some of these cards on your way out that are all the exits and love for you to use these as an invite tool um, to, to invite friends, family, neighbors, uh, people, the restaurant, wherever you go, to the store. Um, just hand them out. Um, invite people. And we'll see what God does this next week, this next weekend. So we'll be praying for our, our Christmas at Central. It's always a, a fun and exciting time. But also it's a, it's a very important time to be able to share the love of Jesus um, with people. Hope you guys have been having a great uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas season. My, my family, my, my uh, mom and dad were in town a couple of weeks ago, and we were driving with my family and my mom and dad. We were, we were in the car, and my mom said, Clayton, do you, do you remember some things that you used to hear back when you were little, but you don't hear anymore? And I was thinking about that, I was like, what are some things that, like, society has changed and all that kind of stuff, and what are some things that I don't remember, uh, that I, I remember, but I, I don't hear anymore? And so I'd like to play this game with you a little bit. Let me, let me see if you guys can remember this sound. What is that? Yeah, all these teenagers are silent over here. Okay. <laughs> All right, so it's a rotary phone. How about this one? That takes some of us back, doesn't it? Man. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we got the, the dial-up modem. Teenagers used to back in the day. That's how you actually got online. If someone's on the phone, sorry about you. There's no way to get on, on the Internet. Um, it was super slow. It, it, was, it was bad. It was AOL, right? I mean, got to get my, get my AOL CDs, my free, you know, cu- couple minutes, whatever it was. You remember that? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. How about this, this sound? Yeah, that's, that's the sound of rewinding a, a tape or a VHS tape, Okay. Teenagers, y'all still don't know what I'm talking about either, okay? So, I I mean, back in the day, just letting y'all know, there was this thing called Blockbuster, and you used to to go to Blockbuster, and on the shelves, um, you you would go and you'd pick out your movie, and if if there was no um, VHS behind it, behind the the front cover, I'm sorry, you just didn't watch that. That's how it was um, back in the day. But the worst was when when you returned it and you forgot to rewind it, you know? You're like, no, I'm going to get charged an extra 30 cents. I don't know what it was back then. But rewinding was an important part of our lives back then. And when you hit, um, when you got to the end of, the, the, of the, the movie or whatever you're watching, you hit the rewind button. What you were pretty much saying is, I'm done with that. I've seen it all. I have the full picture of what was laid out in the story. And so this is actually what we're going to be doing over this, this next month of December. We're going to be looking at, at Jesus' life, but actually in rewind. So we're not going to go from his birth all the way um, to his return. We're actually going to go backwards. We're going to begin today at his return and work our way in a rewind fashion. And I believe it's going to give us an opportunity to see his birth and the meaning of Christmas in a whole new light. 
Have you ever started a book by reading the last page first? Anybody do that? A bunch of psychos in this room over here. Y'all, that's all crazy. Um, that's really weird. Um, but hey, you know what? I think that's something we need to do. So let's all be a little psychotic today together and uh, turn in your Bibles to Revelation 22, okay? The very end of the Bible. I got my Bible up here. There's nothing on the next page, okay? So, so if you have your Bible, open up to, to the very end um, of the Bible. We're going to go to not the very last verse, but the second to last verse. And here's what it says on the screen. It says, he who is the faithful witness, talking about Jesus, he was the faithful witness to all these things, says, yes, I am coming soon. And John says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. What a great way to end the Bible. That's an incredible ending. I mean, what it's saying is, is that Jesus is coming back. And his return is a, a really big deal. I would say it's probably the most anticipated moment of all time. If you go into the Old Testament, there is actually over 1,500 mentions of the Messiah returning or the end of, end of days. If you read the New Testament, y'all know that one in every 25 verses actually talks about Jesus coming back. It's crazy. If you go to a bookstore today, and you go to the Christian section, you'll find a, a section on the end times. And you, you look at all those colorful um, fronts of the books. And people made fortunes selling books, describing and predicting when the end is going to come. What's crazy is you can go online and see all sorts of crazy stuff as well. If you go on our church's YouTube channel, we have hundreds and hundreds of videos and for some reason, last year we made a, a video called Revelation in Five Minutes. It's just this quick five-minute video explaining all of the book of Revelation and what's going to happen. And it's got over 74,000 views, which is crazy. I mean, think about that. Why? It's because people are actually interested in this stuff. They want to know what's going to happen. And although the Bible gives us some, some clues of how it's going to, going to go down, here's something we need to remember about Jesus' return. It's this. The moment is a mystery. It is a mystery. It's such a mystery that Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 24, here's what he said. He said, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. This is, this is something that, hey, we love to anticipate it, but we do not know when it's going to happen. And I think it's good for us to anticipate Jesus' return, but I think some of us, we need to just chill out a little bit, Okay. Because every generation thinks it's going to happen in their generation. You know what I'm saying? Man, you look at the, you know, all, these, all these signs of things are happening. It's just the worst, and it's getting really bad. And Christians love to, to think Jesus is going to come back in their lifetime. So much so that even those who walked with Jesus, the first generation to walk with Jesus, they thought he was coming back in, in their lifetime. Did y'all know that there has been 80 generations from the time of Jesus walking on this earth to today? And every single generation, every, all 80 of us, 80 generations, we've always predicted that this is about to happen really, really soon. Usually because they're saying, hey, we, we see the signs, like the stars are aligning or whatever. Um, it's, just the, it's just the absolute worst. The world cannot get any worse than it is. Jesus has got to be coming back. Y'all have heard that before, right? Some of y'all said that. But really, has it been that bad? I mean, was, was COVID that big of a... Of a, of a deal worldwide. I mean, it was, it was a big deal. 
But was it really that bad compared to some things in history? And I, I went and looked back in history and, and saw some times and moments that it was, it was actually a lot worse. And if Jesus was going to come back at any time, it probably should have been those. I think about in 1918, the 75th generation, the flu took over the world. And 50 to 100 million people died. That was a bad day, right? That was a bad year. Well, if you actually go back a little bit before that to 1349, the 53rd generation from the time of Jesus, the Black Plague went across all of Europe and wiped out half of the population in a year. That's a bad year, you know? But historians have, have realized that there's probably one year that was even worse than all of that. It was 536 A.D., it was the 20th generation from the time of Jesus. And what happened is multiple volcanoes erupted around the same time. And this giant ash cloud um, took over almost all of the northern hemisphere. And it was dark for 18 months. 18 months it was dark. So crops failed across the world. Millions upon millions of people died. And as soon as the, the cloud began to dissipate and they were, thought they would go back to their normal life, then the bubonic plague took over all of the Roman Empire, and half of the Roman Empire perished. That's a bad moment in history, right? There have been some incredibly difficult times where people would look at and say, man, Jesus is coming back. And when it comes to, to the end times, we, we love to put ourselves at the center of it, don't we? Like it's going to happen in our times. Preachers have made fortunes, writing books, and, and getting a following about, about this is about to, to happen, Okay? Let me tell you something. You look at Revelation, I don't see America in there at all, okay? America's not written in Revelation. Trump's not in there. Biden's not in there. Everything's going to be okay, everybody, okay? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. We aren't the main character in this Revelation story. Jesus is. He's the main character. We love to make ourselves the main character of the end times. We are not it. Jesus is is the main character, which brings me to a second fact about his return. It's this, that, that he entered our story as a suffering servant. If you look at the Christmas story, he comes into the story as a suffering servant, but he will return as a conquering king. When we think about Christmas, we think about Jesus coming to this earth as a baby who is meek and mild. But in the end, he is going to return, the Bible says, as this all-powerful, almighty, conquering king. In fact, if you turn your Bible a couple pages um, to the left, you're going to find Revelation chapter 19. And I want to read probably one of my favorite little passages in all of Scripture that talks about visually when Jesus comes back, what that's going to look like. Here's what it says. John says, then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. And its rider was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure white linen, they followed him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He, was, he will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. And on his robe, at his thigh, was written this title, 
king of all kings, and Lord of all lords. I love that. I love the imagery of Jesus coming back someday in all power and all glory where the world can't hide from it. And he's going to come back to it someday. That's what he promises that he will do. Here's another fact about his return. Evil is going to be eliminated. Now, there's a lot of information about how this is all going to go down, and we can debate um, tribulation time, you know, seven years or whatever, but in a, a basic form, here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20. It says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Evil eventually is going to get its day, right? It's going to have its day where Jesus comes back and wipes it off, which is a great day thinking about the world we live in right now. Not only will evil be eliminated, but the righteous are going to be restored. That's a great thing. Think about being a believer in Jesus and having this hope of someday things are going to be made right. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says that the living, those who are, who are living believers, when Jesus comes back someday, they're going to get to reign with him, which is really awesome. And you go to Revelation chapter 20, it says that the, the dead believers, they're going to actually be resurrected. If you have a loved one that has passed away or someday when you go to be with the Lord, there's this reality and this truth and this promise that you'll be resurrected someday. That's pretty awesome that believers, the righteous, they will be eventually restored. And then if you're a believer in Jesus, here's what else you get. You get a new heaven and a new earth. Those two things are going to eventually be the norm for us. You go to Revelation 21, here's what it says. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Things are made new. And so in, in a simple way, when Jesus comes back, evil is going to be uh, defeated. The, the earth is going to be made new. Believers are going to be restored, and God wins. We can debate all we want about how that's actually going to happen, but in simple terms, that is, that's what's going to happen. Now, I want us to look at one final verse about, about the, the, the end times and Jesus returning. It's in the beginning of Revelation. We looked at the end. Let's look at the beginning in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Here's what it says. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. That's what John says. And then John goes, yes, amen, okay? I was reading this going, why would he say that? I mean, it sounds bad. Like, everybody's going to mourn for him. Like, what, what, is, what is he actually talking about? Well, what he's saying is that everyone on the earth is going to be affected. Believers and unbelievers. The living and the dead. And your relationship with Jesus or the lack of a relationship that you have with Jesus will make that day either the greatest day in the history of the world or the worst day you've ever experienced. That's what he's talking about. Depending on your relationship with Christ when he returns. Now, I want you to notice another connection that this connecting piece in, in this, this one verse right here that connects to an, another part of Jesus' story. It, it says that all those who, who pierced him, what is that talking about? 
Well, there was a time when Jesus was, he was brutalized, he was tortured, he was murdered, and all hope was lost. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you have a great day. <laughs> I'm just kidding, right? I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not a good Christmas story, you know? But that's what happened. Jesus was dead. He was done. But we've been today talking about his return someday. How, is, how are those two things work out? How can that be? And the answer is, is because there's something that actually happened in between those two things. It was his resurrection. And so if we actually take that, the, the VCR and we hit the rewind button a little bit, if we go back all the way to around 33 AD, almost 2,000 years ago, the, the real historical, not a myth Jesus rose from the grave. He was dead and he rose from the grave. And we know this is true not just because the Bible says have faith, have blind faith, and just believe it. We know it's true because of all of the evidence we've been talking about. Recently, we did a whole sermon series on the evidence that helps us to have a strong faith. You see, Jesus was seen by over 500 people. We could line them all up today, and they would say, this is actually what happened to me. And Jesus did normal people kind of stuff. And his appearance was so life-changing that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. We're still talking about how people's lives were affected. And so what I want to do is I just want to look at the significance of that moment, his resurrection. Here's a couple of ways that his, his resurrection is so significant for us. Number one is this. His vocation has been validated. Jesus' resurrection validates his, his vocation. Let me, let, me, let me explain this. So I don't know if you, we do this anymore, but if you, you used to back in the day, you would go to like the doctor downtown and you go and park in a parking garage. And then you would go um, up to the seventh floor to your, your doctor for your doctor's visit. And you had to take a, a little, you know, a, a, a receipt or a ticket for when you parked, because you're going to have to pay for that parking. Parking wasn't free, okay? And so as, as you're leaving the doctor's office, the, the secretary would say, would you like me to validate that ticket? You're, you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, validation means that, that saying that you were actually there. It's proof that you were actually at the doctor's office. So you could take that ticket, go down, leave, and you would show the attendant at the parking garage that, hey, I was actually at the doctor, and so you wouldn't have to pay for, for parking there. It was, you're validating your, your parking pass. Well, Jesus' resurrection validated or authenticated who he is. What Jesus was doing when he was resurrected, he was bringing the receipts of all the things that he said he was going to do, the claims he, he made about himself and said, look, here are the receipts. Jesus was saying, hey, I am someone special. I am one of a kind. You have no idea who I am. You can't even fathom who I am. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says this about his resurrection, that he was shown to be the son of God. When? When he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord, capital L. He, he, he is God. How do we know who Jesus is? Because he rose from the grave. You see, scripture points to him. He talked to, about himself to everyone, and his resurrection, it, it proved to the world that he is the Son of God, 
He's the Savior of the world. Look what John chapter 11 says. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And his resurrection proves that, that he is the life. And he goes on and says, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That's, a, that's, a, that's one of the most impactful verses in all of Scripture that changes everything for us. Because the truth is, most of us are scared to die. Anybody scared to die? Even if you're a believer, you're like, I don't know where I'm going. Right? Like, still, we're, we're kind of scared of dying, right? We have this fear of the unknown, or maybe we're just scared of that moment, what that's going to be like. And I can prove it to you. It's why we wear seatbelts, right? It's why we change our tires out eventually, okay, on our cars. It's why we have smoke detectors. It's why we go to the doctor. We want to make sure that we're healthy, right? We're scared of that moment. But Jesus' resurrection, what it does is it changes our relationship with death. Which brings me to the, the second, I guess, important fact about, about his resurrection. It's that death has been defeated. Do you all realize that? Think about that. Death was the undisputed champion of the world. And Jesus defeated it. In these three words, Jesus conquered death just might be the most important difference between Christianity and other world religions. Because neither Mohammed or Buddha or Gandhi or Joseph Smith or even Thin Air has ever predicted their death, kept their promise, and rose from the grave. No one has done that but Jesus. Look at Revelation chapter 1 says, verse 18, Jesus says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Man, well, that's a great visual right there. Jesus is saying, I got the keys, guys. What he's saying is that I have authority. Keys are a symbol of authority. He's saying, I hold all authority, even over something as scary as death. And so we don't have to be afraid of death. This is the good news. This is the gospel, that when you put your faith in Jesus... You're asking him to save you from your sins and the consequences of your sins. Do you know what the consequences of your sins are? An eternal death. Jesus says, you don't have to worry about that. You can be set free from that. Thank God Jesus rose from the grave, right? We can say that today, but the Bible says that too. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? But thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Christ, he conquered death for you. There's no, there's no sting or no pain of death. Will death be a difficult moment? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's something we haven't, none of us in this room have experienced yet, okay? But it doesn't have power over it, over us anymore. Because Jesus says death is not the end. There is something after it. Now, I know this is a lot of information. Like, I, I get it. I was working on this this week and realize how am I going to simplify all of this into one sermon? We're not just talking about his return, but also his resurrection like in, in, in one um, moment. But it's important because the right information, you know what it, it brings? It brings transformation in people's lives. 
When they get to have this information, and it's not only in their head, but it becomes in their heart. It's why we preach. It's why we are commanded to go and tell people about Jesus. Because this information about Jesus returning someday, this information about his resurrection, it changes lives. It changes lives. And what it shows us is that Jesus, he's a bigger deal than you could ever imagine. At Christmas time, we always kind of have this idea of, of Jesus being a, this little, innocent little baby. And that may be true. But when you think about who he became and what he did and what scripture talks about how he was even before all things, he dies for us, he, he, he comes up out of the grave and someday he's coming back again. You, you begin to cram all that into the Christmas story and things are different. You see, I think there's something we need to remember today. It's this, that, that when you, rewind, you begin to rewind Jesus' story, you find hope. You find hope. I don't know where you're at right now. I believe there's people in this room, when Christmas time comes around, it's not the best of times. You may be struggling right now, and you might be just, for some reason Christmas time is so hectic and just like, ah. Oh. I feel like you never have a break in December. It's full of things. Your calendar is full. You have a, the loss of loved ones during this time. And it's a, Christmas can, can not be the, the jolliest of moments. But when we look at the Christmas story, when we recognize that God came down to this earth to be like us, to save us, it brings us hope. But I feel like we have to have this full story. we got to understand what happens after his birth to understand the, the importance of his birth. In fact, I'd like to, to end by reading this, this other passage that kind of explains why we're talking about this today. In 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 4, here's, here's what it says about, about this hope. says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Do you have no hope right now? The Bible says it's got a word for you. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, those two things we talked about today, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And begins to describe how that's going to happen. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will, will rise from the graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And I love the ending of this. It says this, so encourage each other with these words. I want you to be encouraged this Christmas. And no matter what's going on in your life, no matter the ups and downs, God is in control. And we see it throughout scripture. He is in control and he is faithful to fulfill every single one of his promises that he has for the world and specifically 
for you. He will do it. I want you to be encouraged, but I also want you to be motivated that as we look at the, his return that could happen at any time, I pray that it would help us and motivate us to live differently. That we would have this sense of urgency because Jesus says, I am coming soon. Soon. That, should, that one word should motivate us in how we live our lives. Especially at Christmas time. You see, because our mission, your mission in life, if you're a believer in Jesus in this room, is to worship Jesus and tell people about him. It's a pretty simple life, right? And we will cram our lives with so many other things that try to distract us so we don't have to deal with those things. But at the end of the day, that is what we are called to do. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? This Christmas, I pray that it's, it's more than just presents and vacation and getting out of school for a while. I pray that we would be able to, to grasp and fathom the love of God and just how big Jesus is. I pray that this series would help us to, to understand his birth in light of the end, in light of his resurrection. And in fact, I want to invite you to come back next week because we're going we're gonna to hit the rewind button just three days, okay? We're going to go back three days and talk about one of the most important things that's ever happened, Jesus getting up on the cross for you and me. In fact, let me pray for you right now. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And Lord, I pray a simple prayer today that as Christmas approaches, as we in this Advent season of expecting Jesus and his birth, I pray, Lord, that, that we would be able to see the full picture as we start at the end and work our way back. That we would understand just how almighty and powerful and unexplainable Jesus is. The reason Revelations is so hard to read and sometimes confusing is because we can't explain Jesus in all of his glory. He is coming back someday. I pray that it would motivate us to live lives on mission for him. And thank you that Jesus is no longer in the grave, but he rose from the grave by the power of God the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit to prove that he is Lord of all. He's conquered death on our behalf, and so no matter what happens in this life, we can have hope. That the end is not the end. And God has done all the work. May that help us to live in freedom. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus. And I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could text 
forgiven to 94,000. And that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.